Amen. Good morning, Orchardville Church. It is the Sunday before Christmas. I'm so glad that, uh, that you're here. You probably would never guess that Christmas is almost here based on the way I'm dressed. I'm in camouflage. Chris, this is Christmas camouflage this morning. Uh, wow. I mean, like Christmas is almost here. It's just two days away. Uh, do any of you feel like you're not quite ready yet? There's a bunch of you. All right. Now, for me, I, I've gotten a little bit better about this in the last few years, but I, I still, I still, when I get to this point of, of uh, Christmas season, I still don't ever quite feel like I'm quite ready. You know, no matter what I've done, there's, there still feels like I've got a little bit more left to do. I've got some other stuff left to do. And so for about the last week or so before Christmas, I start to feeling a little paranoid. Now, some of you can probably guess why I would feel paranoid, but just, just for enjoyment's sake, I'm gonna share a little video clip with you to help you understand what my paranoia is all about. So watch this. Wazowski, you didn't file your paperwork last night. Oh, that darn paperwork. Wouldn't it be easier if it all just blew away? Don't let it happen again. Yes, well, I'll, uh, I'll try to be less careless. I'm watching you, Wazowski. Always watching. Whew, she's nuts. <laughs> I'm watching you, Wazowski. Always watching. That's my paranoia. Is that supposed to be it, <laughs> <laughs> I get worried the peanut gallery has spoken. Uh, so... <laughs> I get worried in the last couple of weeks because if I go downstairs, I'm, I'm wondering, is she thinking, okay, what's he going down there for? Is, is he going to you know, hide a gift? Is he going to get a gift? You know, when I go down the store, is, is, he, is he forgotten something? Did he, did he not buy me what he was supposed to? And I get worried. I get paranoid because I feel like everything I do is being watched. I'm watching you. <laughs> See, it's justified. It's so... Some of you probably feel that way. There was, there was a little boy named Jimmy who probably felt that way too. Uh, it, was, it was Christmas Eve in his house and uh, Jimmy just sort of seemed to disappear. And his parents, after a while, they realized they didn't know where Jimmy was at, which was unusual because Jimmy was always in the middle of everything. Jimmy was stirring everything up all the time. And so they got a little nervous and they started, you know, looking around the house and they looked everywhere that they thought Jimmy would be because Jimmy was pretty hyper. And then finally they looked in the last place that they thought Jimmy would be was in his room and they opened up the door and Jimmy is sitting in his room very quietly, very calmly just sitting there. And this was Christmas Eve. Now they're just like, what in the world is going on here? So his mom said, Jimmy, we were so nervous We've looked all over the house for you. We couldn't find you anywhere. What are you doing in your room? And Jimmy looked up and he said, nothing. With you and God and Santa watching, I can't do nothing. <laughs> in just a couple of days, kids are going to be waking up. Teenagers are going to be waking up. Even adults are going to be waking up to see what they got. We exchange gifts. Somebody's going to be waking up to see what did I get. 
And before you get your hopes up, let me just remind you that Santa is always watching you. Always watching. He's making a list and he's, he's checking it twice. Why? Because Santa gives you what you deserve. Now, I don't know about you, but as a kid, I was always very nervous going into Christmas because I often felt like I'm gonna get a bunch of coal and switches. I never had a good sense of getting good stuff at Christmas. I was always nervous about the whole coal and switches thing. Saw a few hands going up like, yeah, yep, yep. Now, now, I'm confessing, here's the truth. Most years, that's probably what I deserved. Now, we're talking about Christmas in the real world, right? Talking about real world. So I'm thinking about that. Okay, so what if this Christmas, two days from now, you got the gift that you actually deserved? Open your Bible, book of Romans, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans. So you go through the four Gospels, past the book of Acts, come to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 3. It's a verse that many of you are familiar with, but this may be new to some of you. But here's what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 3.23. He said, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Father, we pray this morning as we open your word on this last Sunday before Christmas. God, that you will pierce our thoughts, pierce our hearts, And God, reveal yourself to us. Reveal your truth to us. God, help us to forget everything that we may have heard before and hear only what you want to say right here, right now in this place. Speak through your word and let your servants hear. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. So I know that we live in a culture in a world today that likes to play word games. And so like cool doesn't really mean cold anymore. Uh, Hot could possibly mean that you're using stolen goods. Uh, Sup is not an invitation to dinner. So sometimes, you know, we see words that seem fairly familiar, but we're not really sure what they mean anymore. So I just want to clear this up. I want to remove any and all doubt. There are no word games involved in this passage of Scripture in Romans 3.23. When you see the word all, guess what it actually means? It means all. That means everybody sitting under this roof today has sinned and fallen short 
of the glory of God. That means every person playing an instrument, every person singing that was on this platform a little while ago has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means that the preacher speaking to you right now has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Now, just in case you're not convinced that all means all, if you look back up just a little bit in chapter three, you see Paul says in verse 10, he says, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none righteous. Now, most of us have heard the term all or nothing, right? It's all or nothing. There's no in between. It's all or it's nothing. There's no middle ground. Well, that's what Paul is saying here. There's no middle ground. There's none righteous. So on the righteous end of the scale, there's nobody there. On the all have sinned end of the scale, everybody is there. All none all, none, and there is no middle ground. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now turn over to Romans chapter 6, just a couple of pages. So Paul has let us know that everybody, every person, Every person that's ever drawn breath since Adam, every person has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then he shares this with us in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin, all have sinned. The wages of sin is death. Now let's talk about that for a second. Wages. Wages, what? What are wages? Wages are, are what we earn. They're what we deserve, right? I mean, you get to the end of a work week and somebody hands you a check, do you feel like they're showing you charity? Do you feel like they're, they're just being kind to you because they gave you a check at the end of the week? Absolutely not. Why? Because you earned that. You, you deserve that check. You earned it. You put in the time for it. It's not just something that somebody's given you. You're getting what you deserve at the end of the week. So let's wrap this back around to Christmas for a moment. In Santa's book, everybody gets what they deserve, right? I mean, if you've been good and you're on the nice list, you get good stuff. If you've been bad, and you're on the naughty list, you get coals, coal and switches, right? You get what you deserve. That's, that's how we understand Santa Claus. Paul tells us that all of us, every one of us in here right now, including me, we have all sinned, which means that what we have earned, what we deserve, is death. Eternal separation from God. Man, that's not good. That's not good at all. 
But I would guess that the idea of eternal separation from God probably doesn't sound as bad to some of you this morning as it really is. Why would I say that? Because anyone apart from God, outside of Jesus Christ, without Christ, death and hell are one and the same. So when we're talking about an eternity separated from God without God, it's not just that we don't get God. It's that that eternity involves not only being separated from him, but being in hell as well. You can turn to it if you like. I'll put it on the screen for you. The Gospel of Mark chapter 9. This is Jesus himself speaking. And here's what Jesus said. He said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. What in the world is he saying there? What? If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter into life maimed. Can I tell you what it doesn't say? It doesn't say if your hand caused you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to continue living life maimed. Now that's what would make sense, right? You're already alive. You got two hands. If your hand caused you sin, cut off because it's better to go on living life maimed. But that's not what it says. It says it's better to enter into life. Well, why would you enter into life? You're already alive. It's because the life that Jesus is speaking of is not just the breath that we're breathing now. It is eternal life. It is life with God. In his presence, enjoying the goodness of who he is, worshiping, celebrating him forever. That's the life that he's inviting people into, to enter into that life. And he said, it's better for you to enter into that life maimed than to wind up going to hell and miss out on that with two good hands. And then he goes on to say in the rest of that passage, or if it's your foot, cut off your foot. If it's your eye, pluck out your eye. Now here's, here's the really interesting thing about that. Is that, see, is it really your hand that causes you to sin? No. Is it your foot that causes you to sin? No. Is it your eyeball that causes you to sin? No. It's what's in your heart and it's what's in your mind. And no matter what we do, no matter what we see, no matter where we walk, we will ultimately always have the choice of what we do because of what's in our mind and in our heart. And we can't, we can't change those from the inside out. Only God can change our heart and our mind. And so really what he's saying is here is that you've got no chance to enter into the life that you want with me 
trying to figure this out on your own. That's why Jesus was here, folks. That's why we celebrate Christmas, is because Jesus came. Because here's the deal. If we really all got what we deserved for Christmas, Christmas would be a really sad proposition for all of us. Because Paul said in Romans, we've all sinned and the wages, the earnings, the due reward for that sin is death. It's eternal separation from God. Now, just stop and think about that for a second. Can, can you imagine life forever but without God? Life forever but with no joy at all. With no end to suffering or pain that we currently endure. Can you imagine that? Who wants that? It's Christmas. Nobody I know wants that. We, we all want something better. We don't want what we deserve. We want something better. Well, I want to say to you this morning the same thing that the angel shared with the shepherds on a hillside on that night that Jesus entered the world in Luke chapter 2 when he said, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Which means, in other words, joy to the world, the Lord is come. That's what Christmas is really all about. And we don't want what we deserve. We want something better. And what, what joy to the world means for you, what that means for you on this Christmas, is that no matter what kind of life you've lived up to now, you don't have to settle for the gift that you deserve. See, I don't care how good you've been, it ain't good enough. I don't care how many times you've been to church, you'll never come enough. I don't care how bad you've been and how many things have fallen all completely apart in your life and how many times you think I will never be able to come back to a place of wholeness and wellness. I don't care which end of the spectrum you think you are on. We all deserve the same gift, but none of us have to settle for it this morning. None of us. That's the joy of Christmas. That's the beauty of Christmas. What we've earned, what we deserve is eternal separation from God. But what God wants to give us this morning is the other half of Romans 6.23. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, this is not the gift we, we deserve, but it is the gift that God wants you to receive this morning. It is the gift that God wants you to have for Christmas. And like any real gift, 
It's free to you. To you it's free. But it wasn't free to God. See, it cost God the life of his son, Jesus. Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross so that you and I could receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, Romans 5, 8, Paul said that God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, still in this place on the other end of the scale, separated from God, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you and me. You're talking about the, oh, the overwhelming, reckless love of God that chases me down. He left heaven to come and be born in this world, in this earth, to chase you down so that he could offer you the gift of eternal life. Wow. Like every gift, it is a gift that ultimately has to be received. John chapter 1, verse 12. John wrote that to all who received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons, the children of God. To all who received him. Received him. What, is, what does that mean? What does that mean to receive the gift of eternal life? Well, let's just say for a moment that Tuesday morning, I wake up and sitting in the middle of my living room floor is a gift for me. It's got my name on it. Leslie had been thinking about me all year long. She sacrificed. She skinched. She did without and the whole time she was thinking about what would be good for me. And so as the result of her sacrifice, she is able to acquire a gift that is exactly what I need. She wraps it, she puts my name on it, sets it in the middle of the floor, and on Christmas morning I get up and I see that and I'm like, wow, what a cool looking present. And then I go get my coffee, which I would anyway. <laughs> and then I eat a Pop-Tart or something else, and I've just gone about my business. And I never come and open up this gift. 
Is it mine? Not really. Was it purchased for me? Absolutely. Did it cost a high price to provide it for me? Yes. Was that price already paid? Yes. Is it offered to me? Yes. Is it available to me? Yes. But is it ever really mine if all I ever do is walk in the house every day and I walk around it and I say, wow, what a cool looking gift. What a cool looking gift. I got a gift right there. Isn't that cool? But I never, ever pick it up, take the wrapping off, and make it mine. Until I do that, it's not mine. There are people in churches all over America this morning. And this is what they've been doing for a long time. They've been circling around the gift of eternal life. Over and over and over again. They know Jesus did it. They know Jesus offered it. They know it's available, but they've never taken it and made it theirs. Maybe you're here this morning and that's you. You've been coming to church for years. Maybe you're a person that you're here for the first time or this is the first time you've been here in a while. You come to church a few times a year and you believe this story. You believe in the gift that Jesus has offered and somehow you have thought that if you just show up and you're in the room, if you're in the vicinity of the gift, that it's yours, it's not. You must pick it up, unwrap it, and receive it into yourself. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if there are some people here this morning and they think, well, man, I want that. I want that. I want, I want eternal life. I want eternity with Jesus. But man, what about now? I mean, how does that fix my situation now? You know, God doesn't play word games in the scripture. And it's interesting that Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is, is eternal life. And is, is present tense. The gift of God is not, will be eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life. 
See, Jesus coming didn't stop bad things from happening. It didn't stop suffering. It didn't stop pain. But it also doesn't let it off the hook and it gives a solution. And one day, all of that will be done. But until that day, if we will pick up God's gift and we will receive it into ourselves, we will still have hard days. But Jesus said in John 10, 10, that I have come life. I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly. Now, not without problems, not without difficulty, but with me. Jesus said, when you invite me in, I'll be there. But he wants your whole life. Which gift do you want this morning? The gift you deserve? Or the gift you don't deserve that one that Jesus is offering? Do you know which one you have? In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar on this last Sunday before Christmas. Maybe you need Jesus this morning. Maybe you need to once and for all receive the gift of eternal life that Jesus is offering. You got to pick it up and own it. Maybe you've done that, but you're like the story that Rick told and you've been walling Jesus off into parts of your life and it's just time to give him the keys. Or maybe on the last Sunday before Christmas, maybe you should just come and posture yourself before the Lord and say, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask our deacons to be ready, our staff to be ready. Just pray with people. If you need Jesus, tell somebody whatever you need. Would you stand? Father, is your time these are your people this is your church Holy Spirit have your way remove all fear remove all hesitancy God just give people the courage to step out and act on what the Holy Spirit is laying on their heart right now